I want you to think about what you just saying for just a second. We believe. We believe. Why? See, that, that's kind of at the middle of what we've been talking about last week, and we're going to talk about again today. We believe because through the work of God through His Spirit, it has been revealed through His Word. We learned it as kids, a lot of us. We believe because the Bible says so. And so I, I, I think about that and how it plays itself out in our life all the time. Because let's face it, there are days and there are seasons that are hard. And sometimes it's harder to believe than others. And I think about the man in Scripture who cried out to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. And so as we gather here to worship the one true God, we proclaim that we believe in his supremacy, that he and he alone is God. And we do so based on the authority of the Bible. And so we're going to do things a little different this morning. If you're, uh, you know, TCBC member, you're here all the time, it, the flow is going to feel a little different. It's okay, different is sometimes a good thing. If this is your first time, you won't know any different. Don't worry about it. You just kick back. At the end of the service, though, I do want to give you a challenge. If this is your first time, out these doors to the left, there's an area called the hub. Stop by, get to know us. We are a people. A service is something that we do. We are people. It takes a little while to get to know a people. And so we want to be able to introduce you. We want to be able to connect with you. And so, again, into the service, out these doors to the left, area called the hub, stop by and introduce yourself. One of the things that you'll learn about us is we preach and teach through books of the Bible. Currently, we're in a study of 2 Peter. There's a reading plan at both of the doors. You can grab those. They're online. You can grab those there. Jump in, read along with us. But as we've been studying through 2 Peter, some things have become pretty clear to us. I want to make sure you catch them first, all right? Peter calls his readers to be holy, to be Christ-like, uh, specifically to be found by God without spot or blemish and at peace when the day of judgment comes. That's what he says in chapter 3. But there's a problem. Peter writes and he warns his readers of a great danger. There are false teachers. And they are bringing destructive heresies that threaten our own stability. And over the next several weeks, we're going to take some time and we're going to examine that threat. But today, we're going to give really specific and special attention to the confirmed authority of Scripture specifically to the application of verse 9 in chapter 1. Now, if you missed last week, I want to encourage you. After you go home today, go back and listen to Pastor Paul's sermon from last week. It sets up the big truth. It teaches the foundation for what we're going to talk about this morning. This morning, we're going to be really practical, and we're going to zoom in on just a handful of applications that help us carry out what we've read here in verse 19. See, a quick review, Peter began his letter, right? He begins his letter and he reminds the Jesus followers that they have been granted saving faith. 
God has given them saving faith. And for this reason, he bookends the letter. He begins in chapter 1 with this prescriptive charge to make every effort to supplement, to grow that faith obtained. And he ends chapter 3 with take care that you are not carried away and lose your own stability. I want you to notice something. This is going to set up our day. Every effort is offensive. It's make every effort to grow. For those of you that are familiar with kind of our abide terms here at Tri-Cities Baptist Church, it is the pursuit. It's the context of pursuit. Pursuing Christ's likeness, the growing of the faith obtained. It's offensive. Take care is defensive. Take care to withstand, to stand firm in. That is the position context of our abiding relationship with Jesus. But the authority of both growth, pursuit, stand firm, position, identity in Christ, the authority for both is the Bible. It's the Word of God more fully confirmed. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, Peter writes, And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Bible is the authority that enlightens our growth, our pursuit, and our stability, our position. The Bible is the authority that enlightens our growth and our stability. And so today we're going to take a really practical look at paying attention to the Bible as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Mike's going to come back first, and he's going to focus in on how does the Jesus follower grow in the light of Scripture. He's going to look at that offensive charge. And then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to look at how does the Jesus follower stand in the light of Scripture. And we're going to just be really practical and we're talking a lot, a lot of applications and there's no way you're going to be able to leave with like all of them and just tomorrow go do all of them. But the prayer is that one or two will hit each of us and that each of us will leave this place with actions, with a hunger for the word, with an application to grow and to stand in light of the revelation of God. And so... At TCBC, we, we frame that around this context of abide so often. When we talk about abide at Tri-Cities, we talk about that in two parts. Position, identity in Christ, resting in our justification that we have been declared right before God, that we are standing fully in his righteousness and pursuit sanctification, that we would grow into what we have been declared to be. 
that we would grow into Christ-likeness. And so what I want to challenge you to do as a church, to set your heart for today, is to stand and sing this song, Abide. And as you sing it, I want you to make it your prayer. If you've sung it so many times that it's routine, I want you to slow down and I want you to think about what you're singing. But I want us as a church to approach the application of setting the word as a lamp in the dark place by considering what does it mean to abide and make that our prayer. So church, stand with me, let's sing, and let's continue in worship. I want you to go ahead and grab your Bibles and open up to 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 3 in just a minute. Daniel has already kind of laid the foundation of what we're doing this morning, but let me remind you, we're trying to answer a couple questions. Really, really practical questions in your life, my life. It's this, how does a Jesus follower grow in the light of Scripture? How do Jesus followers stand in the light of Scripture? One is offensive, one is defensive, and the Bible is the source for both. All right? So let me quickly set this up for you. Last week was a pretty exciting weekend for my family. The reason was it was the start of the NFL football season, right? We're big NFL fans. We love watching NFL football together. College and pro, I'm all about it. All right. It was a great day until our favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys, took the field. And it all went downhill from there. And here's something we learn really quick. If you're going to be a good team, you've got to be an offensively strong team. You've got to pursue points. There's a pursuit. At the same time, there's a defensive side where you have to stand firm. Now, that's true for you and me, brothers and sisters. Second uh, Peter makes that really clear that there's an offensive, a pursuit. How do we grow in the light of Scripture? At the same time, there's a defensive posture. We have to stand firm. So my job this morning is to help us pursue this question. All right, how do we grow practically in the light of the Bible, Scripture, what does that growth look like? How do we pursue that growth? And then my wrestling tag team partner, Daniel's going to come up. We're going to tag, you know, like WrestleMania, and he's going to take the second section. You say, you don't look like wrestlers. Well, that's good. Thanks. <laughs> this is a really important question for every one of us in this room. How do we grow practically? In the light of Scripture, what does that practically look like day in and day out in my life as a follower of Christ? How do I practically pursue that? Now, I'm going to read Second uh, Peter 1, 3 through 8, just as a little bit of a review. And then I'm going to jump in really quick with some practical handles for this this morning. You follow along, Second Peter 1, 3 through 8. Peter says this. He says, His, God's divine power has granted to us gift all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him Jesus who has called us to his own glory and excellence this is foundational grace truth of what God has already done 
by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. We have 66 books of them in the Bible. His great and precious promises. So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. In light of all that, Peter makes clear, verse 5, for this very reason, grow. For this very reason, make every effort, strive, pursue, be diligent to supplement your faith, to grow in this faith that's been granted. How do we do that? How do we practically do that in light of the promises of Scripture and what Peter promises us here? I'm going to give you four handles really quick this morning. You take notes. I promise it's going to be crazy practical for you this morning. How does a Jesus follower grow in the light of Scripture, the Bible? Number one, we read Scripture. <laughs> We read the Bible. We read God's Word. Quick definition of this is this. Regular, consistent, planned intake of Scripture into your mind and into your heart. We read the Bible. Job put it this way. I have not departed from the command of your lips, he says. <laughs> this is such a challenging verse for me. Job says, I have treasured... I have treasured the words of your mouth more than my necessary food. Job is saying there was a hunger in his life, in his daily habits of his life, that was even greater than his hunger for food. His hunger for food. He hungered God, for God's Word. You have that kind of hunger, you're going to read the Bible. You're going to spend time opening the pages of Scripture and consuming and intaking the Word of God. Now listen, I don't have a lot of great thoughts. I had one quick one. Walking with Jesus is more than reading your Bible, but it's never less than reading your Bible. In other words, I know no fruitful, joy-filled, worshipful Jesus follower who is not giving regular place to reading God's Word in his or her daily life. Your walk, your growth, your fruitfulness, our joy will never exceed the place that we give the Word of God in our daily lives. We read the Bible. Amen? We read the Bible. So to apply that in our lives, think of it this way. So, okay, the application could be this. Rejecting excuses, dismissing distractions, determine the time, the place, and the plan that you and I are going to give place to this book every day. Determine the, plot, the time, the place, the plan that I'm going to be reading God's Word on a regular basis. What might that look like? Here's some handles. Read the Bible with a reading plan. Use a reading plan. We produce one. This church will always have a reading plan for you where you know what's next. You're following a course. You're following a plan. Use the reading plan. 
me give you some practical tips on this that have helped me personally. Follow a plan as you read the Bible. Secondly, read out loud. Read out loud. You say, sometimes I read the Bible, I get distracted. Take God's Word, open it up, follow a plan, read out loud. Give you another help. Read at a consistent time each day, a consistent place each day. I've got my Bible laid out because I know I'll get up in the morning, I'll get distracted, there's other things on my mind, I'll waste time. Where's the place I'm going to read the Bible? What's the time I'm going to read the Bible? You give consistency and place to the things that are most important in your life. You just do. Consistent place, consistent time. I'll give you another quick tip. Read the Bible while walking. That's something I've learned the last few months has been incredibly helpful for me. Sometimes I'm at my desk. Sometimes I'm pen in hand. Sometimes I'm looking at the scripture. Sometimes I get my phone and I just go on a walk and I'm reading the Bible out loud. What's the point? Read your Bible. Let's read our Bibles. Read when you're the sharpest, when you're the most alert. Give that time your sharpest mental time of the day. Read the Bible as one who is loved. You are loved by the author of Scripture. Jesus said, the things I've spoken to you, these things I have written, I've given them to you, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Read the Bible as one loved. The psalmist said, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to dishonest gain. Incline my heart to this is the prayer. In other words, to give place to this in your life. It may mean that to say yes to daily reading of the Bible. Watch, you may have to say no to lesser things. And you may have to say no to some lesser distractions in your day. Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity, Psalm 119, empty things. And help me to give place to simply reading God's Word in my daily life. To grow in Christ-likeness. Vance Havner said, the alternative to discipline is disaster. <laughs> it's a discipline. Let's pursue it together. So how do we grow in light of Scripture? Number one, we read the Bible. Secondly, how do we grow in light of Scripture? We study Scripture. We study Scripture, not just reading, but we study the Scriptures. It is the diligent digging into God's Word to find the gold that is hidden under the surface. We study the Scriptures, Ezra 7.10. For Ezra set his heart to study the law of the Lord to practice it, and to teach His commandments in Israel. Is there a place of study of God's Word in your life? You can think of reading as giving us a, a breadth of Scripture, but the study of the Word of God gives us a depth of Scripture, a depth of growth, deeply rooted in the truths of Scripture. It's this diligent mining of God's Word to discover the gold and the treasures that are hidden beneath the surface. See, study involves greater focus. Study involves greater investment of your time. It's a, a lingering over Scripture. It's an unhurried reading and studying and meditating and digesting and asking questions and making connections of Scripture. 
Study involves work. When Paul was talking to Timothy, he said, be diligent to study to show yourselves approved. What does the word diligent mean? Work hard. (laughs) Make every effort. It's hard work. But it's incredibly rewarding to give yourself to the study of Scripture. I've heard the difference between reading and studying characterized like this. Reading is like going across a mountain lake, a beautiful mountain lake. Reading is like going across that thing in a motorboat. It's good. It's needful. We've got to do it regularly. Study is going across that same lake slowly in a glass-bottom boat, observing all that is beneath the surface. Read, study, go deeper into the Word of God. So an application of this could be this. Rejecting excuses. I don't have time. You do. So do I. Rejecting excuses, dismissing distractions, set your heart to mine the riches of Scripture as your greatest pursuit. And there's growth in that. There's Christ-likeness that will result in that. Study, really practical here, ready? Study with a pen in your hand. When I was in college, somebody taught me a basic study tool. I've used it my entire life. I have one of those multicolored pens. You know, you flick the colors on it. And every color means something in my personal study. But it makes you stop. It makes you dig into what's there. Focus. Study with a pen in your hand. Observing, noting, circling, marking. Making the connections. Study with a pen in your hand. Study asking questions. Why is this here? What does this mean? What does this matter? What is the author's intent? How does this fit in the larger context? Study. Mine. The goal that's there. Also, study with others. Study with others. We have something called Go Study Groups. As you know, the focus of those groups is to study deeply in the Word of God so that you're not on your own, but with a gifted teacher and together mining the truths of the Word of God to go deeper. Some of you have not been in an organized study with others of the Word of God in years. And your walk with the Lord has struggled because of it. Study in community with others let's grow together by reading and studying God's word together thirdly quickly how do we grow in the light of scripture we read the bible we study the bible thirdly we talk scripture (laughs) we talk we talk about the scriptures give you a definition quickly. Regular, consistent interaction with others, sharing what God is teaching one another from the Bible. There's interaction around the Word of God. There's God teaching something in your heart, in your life, and you are regularly discussing that with others around you. There's this sense, Deuteronomy 6 makes that very clear. We've studied that verse so many times in our church. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart, the Bible. Teach them diligently. Talk of them. When you sit at your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Practical? Listen to this. 
Somehow we think that spiritual growth all happens internally. I internalize this. I wrestle with it on my own. I keep it inside and growth is going to happen. There is a reality. Mike Breen, a discipleship expert, says this. We need to externalize the things that God is doing in our lives. Change change doesn't happen in private. Change happens in community with others as we're talking and discussing what God is showing us and how we're repenting and how we're growing and what's next and our next step. And community comes around us and helps us in that. And there's an externalization that's necessary. Talk. Talk about the scriptures. Talk about the word of God. The psalmist said, with my lips, I have told all the ordinances of your mouth. Talk at the dinner table. Share what God is teaching you with your family. Talk in the car as you're driving to work, as you're driving your kids to school. Listen, I take my two little girls to school every day. That's our time to talk. Sometimes it's not a lot. Sometimes it's a lot. It depends on the day. We'll take the family discipleship plan. We'll go over the big truth, the verse, and we'll talk about what God is teaching us. Talk. Talk about the scriptures. Talk with others in a Go Fellowship group. We have Go Study groups. We have Go Fellowship groups. The Go Fellowship groups are designed. What's God teaching you? How are you growing? How can we grow together? How can we abide together? They are designed to facilitate talking around the Word of God. Finally, how do we grow in the light of of scripture we read the bible we study the bible we talk bible we talk the scriptures and finally and quickly and this is going to lead us into our next section it's this we pray scripture we pray scripture i don't know if there's been a more impactful pursuit in my life in the last oh two to three years to realize that it's not okay i'm going to read the bible and then i'm going to run over here and then i'm going to pray a little bit no there's this communion with god that goes on as we open the word of god and the primary content of our praying is his word so we open the pages of Scripture and we read and we turn those into a prayer. Jesus taught us to do this. John 15, 7, Jesus said, If you abide, there's that abiding language in me, and my words abide in you, ask. Ask. He said, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. There's this connection between what God has said and our communion with Him in prayer. So we pray the Scriptures, the Word of God. So here's the way we're going to apply that and then we're going to practice it. I'm going to just pray for you and with you. I'm going to pray a few Scriptures. Turn those into a prayer for us as a church. The application is simply this. Rejecting excuses and dismissing distractions. Watch. Open your Bible, begin reading, and begin to turn those verses of Scripture into prayers back toward God. That's the way we practice it. We read, we study, we talk, we turn what's the truth of God's Word back into communion and fellowship and prayer with God. So I'm going to hand it off to Daniel in just a second, but before I do that, we're going to put this into practice. I have a few verses that have just jumped off the page to me in Psalm 119, and 
This is a posture of prayer. I'm just going to ask you to bow your head for a minute and let these words kind of roll over you, the Word of God, and then I'm going to turn these back into a Scripture this morning for us before the Lord. I'm going to read the Scripture. I'm going to turn it into a prayer. Psalm 119, verse 18 says this, Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your Word. Father, I pray for myself and I pray for my brothers and sisters here, Lord, that you would do just that, that you would open our spiritual sight, you would open our eyes, and we would behold, stand in awe of the wonders of your word. Psalm 119.25 says, my soul cleaves to the dust. I feel that way a lot. Revive me according to your word, O Lord. Father, I pray this verse, and Lord, I know our flesh, we cling to the dust and we live out of our own resources, but Lord, I pray you revive our souls according to your word that you have given to us. Psalm 119.72, the law of your word or the law of your mouth is better to me than ten thousand gold and silver pieces. Father, I pray we would treasure your word more than all riches. More than 10,000 gold and silver pieces we would treasure and long for the word that comes from your mouth. Psalm 119, 174, I long for your salvation, O Lord. Your law, your word is my delight. And Father, I pray that would be true of us, that your word would be our delight. You would establish our footsteps in your word Lord, you would give us an awe for you, and God, help us to grow in light of the Scriptures. For Jesus' sake we pray. And all God's people said together, amen, amen. I don't know. I think I could, I think I could be a wrestler, by the way, just throwing that out. Second Peter chapter 3, all right, we're going to jump in at verse 15. Again, Mike's talk to us about setting the scriptures as a light in the darkness as we grow our faith. But we're also called to stand firm in our faith, to withstand, to have resolve, and the scriptures is the authority to do just that. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 15, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the air of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. All right. Quickly want you to notice a few things from Peter's conclusion. See, we haven't got there yet. This is still coming. You say, why are you taking this break, it's because I want you to see the importance of the end of chapter 1. I want you to catch when Peter breaks and he says, guys, 
I know this is difficult. I know this can be hard. But you have the authority of Scripture, a source of revelation more confirmed than if you sat on the mountain of transfiguration, heard the audible voice of the Father, the earth shake, and two dead people. You have something with more authority than that. Grow in it. Stand in it. Let it be a light in the darkness. And I think it's important that we just, it's a short letter, this second letter that Peter writes. It's really short. And so I just want you to see these bookends. But here specifically in this conclusion, he says, be careful. It means to be watchful or on full alert, uh, to be guarded or strategic. There is a danger, a destructive threat among you. Now listen, everybody give me your attention. You're going to hear this in the next few weeks too. If you don't believe false teaching is dangerous, you're going to excuse yourself from taking care. We'll come back to that in a minute. Be careful with doctrine. Scripture, it's Revelation, its truths are being twisted by some among you, and you can be carried away and lose your own stability, specifically your clarity of doctrine, your worldview, the truths in which you stand on. And the end of that is destruction. It's destructive. And so be careful with false teachers. Chapter 2, verse 1, next week we'll look at this passage and Peter writes, there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. More about that next week. Be careful with the ignorant, he says. This is important. Notice the ignorant twist the scriptures. What's that mean? It means not all false teachers aim to be false teachers. Some are just ignorant. It means that the danger among us doesn't identify itself as danger. And if we're not careful, we're at risk of being carried away and losing our own stability. So how does the Jesus follower stand in the light of Scripture? First, we trust Scripture. We trust Scripture. We direct our life in the light of the truth revealed in the Bible. Now that sounds really simple, and here's the truth. All of us will state that belief, I think. Most of us uh, will state that Scripture is absolutely true, and we anchor our worldview, our doctrine from it. We say that. But in practice, that is an ongoing battle. That is much like the man who says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. We are continually growing in our understanding of Scripture, our depth as it reveals who God is and who He's called us to be. And so just the practical part of trusting is a big continual action in the life of a believer. And so as we grow in our understanding of Scripture, we must also trust in it. Here's just a Like a lot of quick things, I hope one or two of these will catch you. One, it means you'll aim your emotions according to the truth of Scripture. Truth 
trumps the way you feel. You'll trust Scripture more than your emotion. Emotion won't be your guard to interpreting Scripture. When Paul said last week, for example, that you will love the Scriptures, you don't mean that as you'll have just some emotional desire to read them and you'll wait until you feel like doing it because you're waiting to love the Scriptures. No, you know why? Because, listen, that's not a biblical definition of love. A biblical definition of love is discipline. It's commitment. Jesus pleaded not to take the cross. Do you remember? Does it mean he did not love us? No. But he did. Faithfully, in obedience, in love that was disciplined and committed. That's love. So we read, we study, we lean in. Think of of something as simple as fear. There's a good, a healthy fear. We, we were talking about this fear of false teaching, this recognition, its danger in our life. Think about it, parents. Do you teach your kids that false teaching is as dangerous as stranger dangers? I wonder if you went into our house and you asked our kids, Is there any worry about false teachers among you, whether intentional or just the ignorant ones? Are they more afraid of lightning and stranger dangers and all the other kinds of things that we get nervous about? But I want to tell you, and I want you to be honest, if you read the pages of Scripture, Scripture's going to tell you that teaching is way more dangerous to them. We trust it. So we aim our emotions according to the truth of Scripture. We fight anxiety according to the truth of Scripture. Put Scripture everywhere in your life and claim those truths more than what you feel. Your car should have Scriptures in it. The mirror in your bathroom, put Scriptures on it. Put it laminate one and put it in the shower. Put it in your office. Keep it on the backgrounds of your phone. May you read the truths revealed to you from Scripture throughout your day. Place them there. Be reminded. Scripture says the wisdom of the revelation of God is more valuable than riches. Do you believe it? Claim the truth that's there and trust in it. View and love others according to the truth of Scripture. Set aside prejudice and dwell on their status as an image bearer. Love God according to the truths of Scripture. Set aside those limiting perspectives. Think of it this way. Are you the judge of trust with God? When we think about trust, see, that's a little bit more abstract than read. I know, that that makes it a little harder. I get it. Defensive things are going to work that way because they're kind of cumulative. When we think of trust, we say things like, well, trust is earned. And we'll try to give trust. But when we do that, we're always putting ourselves as the measure of our trust. It's building it around us. And in a peer-to-peer setting, that makes sense. Me to God is not a peer-to-peer setting. He is supreme. He is supreme. I, I don't make deals with God. I don't go to God and say, God, if you will, I will. Why? Because he is supreme because of the truth of 
who he is revealed into his word. I trust him because the Bible tells me to trust him. Even when I don't understand. Why? Because of who the Bible teaches me he is. And so I repent according to the truth of Scripture. I'm quick to be corrected. I create a culture around me where confession is celebrated. How do often do other people see you repent? I think this has been one of the bigger issues with the church and so many different sins and things in which we battle within the culture. We don't model a culture of confession and repentance that displays trust in the Word of God. This has got us in trouble with the LGBTQ community so bad. Here's the point. We look at them and we say, repent, sin in your life. And we should, and they should. But you know what would go a long way? For that coworker to see you month after month confess and repent and grow. And instead not pretend like you have arrived at some place that's good enough. But they see a longing in you to die to self and find life in Jesus that there is this culture of repentance that saturates you. Why? Because you enjoy it? No, but because you trust in the word of God and Christ's likeness is worth it. It's life. So we work according to the truth of scripture. We work on mission. We work to honor the Lord, not just for money or because we have to. We marry according to the truth of Scripture. Our marriage is for the gospel and not for ourselves. You say, that's really hard. It is. Why would I do such a thing? Because I trust the Word. We parent for the gospel and not self, and we trust in the Lord. And when the world doesn't understand, we hope according to the truth of Scripture, and we choose faithfulness and obedience, trust over popularity and affirmation. Trust is a big thing. It's abstract. It's hard. But it's one of those things in which anchors our defense. And church, listen, resolve comes from the depth of your conviction, not the measure of your opposition. Say, what does that mean? Let me give you an example. David fought Goliath. Not because he thought Goliath was small, but because he trusted God was big. His trust wasn't in the size of the obstacle in front of him. His trust was in God. Two more, very quick. We ponder Scripture. We meditate. We saturate our thoughts in the light of Scripture. We seek first the kingdom of God. We long to have our minds renewed and transformed by the truths of Scripture. We force our focus. We don't wait for it to happen. We long for it. And so what does that look like from a trusting, defensive standpoint? It means we consider doctrines and concepts, not just verses. We invest time. We invest money. We invest relationships and people to anchor our thoughts our meditations back into the proclamation of the Word of God. We consider implications. At Tri-Cities, we call those big ideas throughout our day. We insert 
big truths, prescribed realities from the Scripture into our mind early in the morning. And throughout the day, we wrestle with the implications of what that means for me. That's a practice I would encourage you to take part in. In the morning, take a truth from the Word, from that reading, from that Bible study, and think on it throughout the day. Screen it against the rest of Scripture and continue to let that Again, truth have implication on your life. See, there's almost certainly a connection between the anxiety of our culture and our biblical literacy. We spend so much time pondering all the things of this world and spend so little time pondering the Word. Just real practical, there are 728,000 English words in the Bible. By the way, there are more words in Harry Potter than the Bible. The average reader can read through the Bible, average pace, at 50 hours and 30 minutes to read the whole thing. The New Testament, that's 8 hours and 20 minutes. A slow reader, you say, ah, Daniel, I'm a really slow reader. Okay, if you read 25% slower than the average, that's the New Testament in 12 hours and 40 minutes. One of the most popular TV shows of the last year is Netflix, season four. That's 12 hours and 45 minutes. You have time. We can read it. We can think on it. We can set our mind to the Word. But if we're honest, we are setting our mind to so many other things, and so we wonder why we get rocked to and fro. Consider it. Final thing, we guard the Scriptures. We guard the Scriptures. What do you mean by that? It means we guard its place in our mind. We guard it. We hold it different than we hold the distractions and just the everyday things. We hold Scripture as absolute. It is positioned behind the gates of truth in our life. So let me give you a really practical way to like run with this. I want you, every time someone offers you counsel, every friend who just casually speaks into your life, I want you to ask them when they offer that counsel, is that from Scripture? Because I'd really like to go back and study that and see what they say. Now let me tell you what will happen if you consistently do that. One, it will help you a lot. And two, it will help your friend a lot. Because you're going to model something for them. Scripture is in a different place than their opinion. And you're going to teach them that to help you, they're going to bring the Word of God into your life. When you offer counsel to somebody, don't just give them your opinion. Go back and take it to Scripture and help them see that. Why? Because we guard the teaching of Scripture. It's a beautiful thing. And so as the team comes up, just like Mike, talked about with growth, we pray the scripture to stand firm and to hold. Psalm 119 is going to be our prayer, verse six through or verse 9 through 16, and I, I'm going to pray it over you as I pray. I just want you to listen to the word of God. Verse 9. 
How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Father, may we stand in your word. May we not forget the truths that you have revealed to us. And may we anchor our position in their light. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, would you stand?